All right. This is uh, going to be, I've, I've kind of prefaced this with all of the, the worship experiences thus far. This is very different today. How many like different? All right. Because a few weeks ago when I was praying specifically about what God wanted me to share with you, um, I have a little journal where I keep notes about kind of potential sermon ideas or where I grab inspiration from. And as I was praying over that, uh, the Holy Spirit really just crashed into my office and I was, I was weeping as he put this on my heart for today that's really connected to something he spoke to me about, well, it's June 1st specifically. And so it's not a, it's not a message. It's more of something of a prophetic word. Uh, how many of you, uh, the word prophetic or prophecy scares you? Okay, most of you are cool. Uh, some of the other services, they weren't sure. But, uh, but if it's scary to you, it's just because somebody did it wrong. Because all prophecy really is is Holy Spirit inspired, uh, look, uh, Holy Spirit inspired look ahead. That's all it really is. I've had many prophetic words spoken over my life. I keep a journal of those. Some of them haven't come to pass yet, but they will, because uh, God's promises are yes and amen, right? And so I'm gonna. Some of what I will share is related to some prophetic words and some things that have been shared, and then I'm gonna leave time at the end for some of our students to share their life-changing encounters at camp this week. And let me just tell you guys, you guys got some work to do because this, this section's been fire like all day, like all day. Um, and they may be smaller in number than they were the last service, but they're no less mighty, right? Um, it's been amazing. And, and as, as God was sharing with me and kind of impressing on me what to talk about today, it, it all just kind of came together. I was talking to Pastor Jadub last week and I realized the subject matter of what I'm going to be talking about is about the next generation. And it was going to be coming on the tail end of camp. And that wasn't by initial design. I just, Pastor gave me a couple of dates to pick from. This was the one I picked. And then, no coincidence, I think it's very intentional that it's all kind of unfolded the way that it has. So, Pathway, lean in with me because this is a lot more of a specific challenge and word to our family. I think it's a word for the kingdom, but my responsibility is here with all of you. And so some of what I share today might prick you a little bit. Can you like, um, you know, just stiffen your back a little bit um, and just prepare that this is not coming from a place of, of judgment, but a place of challenging growth, right? And know that I've had to repent before I got to you. So God drops this on me first. I have to work it out, and me and Jesus have to make it right. And so with that, what I'll be sharing today, uh, primarily it's, it's, a, it's a word from him, a prophetic word that I have to kind of put together in a couple of pieces. So if you'll stand with me, I want to open with the text that will be kind of our hub, if you will, from Psalm 127. I'm going to read you a whole chapter, but don't worry, it's only five verses. Um, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep or rest to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. The message I'm going to share with you today is entitled, The Mightiest Weapons. 
the mightiest weapons. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, we invite you today, Lord, as you've been doing all day so far, just to speak to our hearts, soften our hearts, let us hear your voice, and let it change our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. The mightiest weapons, the mightiest weapons. Um, when I think about, when I thought about bringing this to you today, there was God impressed on me to kind of look back to a message I preached last year called Unsettle uh, in Mar about March of last year. You guys remember that message? I wore a coonskin cap. Now you remember? <laughs> okay. My kids love those pictures. Um, but the whole point of the message, I really, I really felt like God wanted me to reach back there and to pull that into what I'm going to share with you today because I think prophetically it speaks to our DNA. I think it speaks to what God's challenging all of us to do. So will you go in the Wayback Machine with me for just a second to, to last year, a little around March of last year? Um, just to read you into this story as well, if you're not, if you're not aware of this, we as a church family are about $5 million into a 10 to $11 million building campaign uh, project out on North 259. And at this moment, five plus million of it's been paid for in cash. We have no debt on it. But what we need is a miracle. Because and I don't know about you guys, I don't have $5 million you know, bills in my pocket. And I can write you a $5 million check. But it's going to bounce. Uh, fast. So high. So, um, so kind of just... Keep that in mind, what, what we have been endeavoring to do. We've been kind of stuck for about a year and a half. Nothing's really been going on. We've had the money to, to do things, but we've had every kind of obstacle you can imagine thrown in our way. But I'm, I want to share with you through this lens of divine timing how I feel like all of this is very, very intentional, right? God, God's not limited by the things we're limited by, but sometimes he allows things to slow us up to check our hearts to get things in alignment. Right. So keeping that in mind, that word I shared last year, the word pioneer actually uh, means to discover something new or the one that I want you to anchor onto here is to prepare the way for others. We sang about the great way maker today. Jesus possessed the pioneer spirit. Would you agree? He was a way maker. He went ahead of us and he made the way for us. Um, I talked in that message about a whole lot of figures that, that you know, like MLK, Sally Ride, George Washington, uh, Abraham in the Bible. These were all pioneers. These were all, uh, they, they stepped out in faith. They took risks, right? How many know being a pioneer requires taking risks? And my burden in that message and for us today is that we have been in a, a time, especially over the last few years, where we have settled we have settled where we were never supposed to stay. And some of it, let's just be honest, felt like there were legitimate reasons. Some of you guys went through extreme hardships in 2020, right? I'm looking at some of the faces right now. Some of you went through really difficult losses in your family. So I'm not, I'm not casting judgment. I'm just saying let's look at where we are today. If I'm still settled in the same place, then I'm not moving forward with God. And we are called to be pioneers. Jesus, the great pioneer, we see it in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer 
of their salvation through what he suffered. He went ahead of us. He gave his life for us. He paved the way for us. And here's the picture I want you to hook on to for today as it relates to this word and its importance to us. What I'm asking all of you to do with me is to take up the, 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 the baton, if you will, of being a pioneer, but not just for the sake of what we want to see God do in our lives, but take up that burden for this generation. We're called to go ahead of them. We're called to make a way for them. What we are not called to do is put obstacles in their way. What we're not called to do is build walls in front of them. What we're not to do is say, hey, guys, y'all just, just be quiet. Just don't talk. Just be seen, not heard. Right? This is a burden of my heart. and It has been burning a hole in my heart for months, especially looking at the lives of my two kids. Because if you want to look at a culture that is trying its best, seemingly, to snuff this generation out, we are seeing it today, right? But we have to be aware of it. And I'm just speaking kind of to the big C church right now, not even just pathway, but what we have done is a poor job, an awful job of making a way for them. We've, we've assigned names to them. We've joked at them. We've been comfortable to leave them waiting in the wings. And what I'm speaking about to today is a, a call to come out, to join a bridge of the generations that link together, that go forward together into what God's calling us to do. Amen? I knew I was in the right church. So we're all pioneers. We're all born with pioneer DNA. So do not disqualify yourself. And if you think, well, I don't know how I would do that, Pastor Mark. I don't know how how to help them. I don't know how to speak their language. Here, here's, a, here's a clue. Here's a very simple thing. You know what they need more than ever? Love. What do they need? Unconditional love. They don't need pharisaical love on conditions. They need you. It's not any more complicated than spending time with them. Why on a given weekend, and again, hear my heart, don't feel, don't feel judgment, but let's just look in the mirror today, okay? Why on a given weekend like this one do we have a hard time fielding the number of serve team needed to take care of the kids back there? In the first and third services today, we've had 777 goes up. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we're completely overwhelmed. It means somebody didn't show up. So if we got the understanding of what I'm talking about, if we get it, and I want us to get it, what I want to happen, have happen is a flood of people sign up to help Pastor Jessica and Holly back there take care of those kids. I want a flood of people coming to J-Dub for Wednesday nights and asking, how can I help? What can I do? Because if we'll get this, it's not complicated. It's just intentional, right? It's something we have to own, Pathway. If we want to see all that God has for us, can I tell you humbly, it is not about us. I was on that property praying with what I'm about to share with you, and that was one of the things that God stuck his finger in my chest about. Because I was praying and thinking about, you know, I've got a little office space there. It's got my name on it. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't thinking in my mind as I selfishly at the time, but, you know, it's how God sometimes can push right in the place. I was praying for breakthrough and miracles and provision, all the things. And, and what I heard him say is, hey, 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 Mark, this isn't about you. It's about them. 
and I saw my kids' faces, and I saw these kids' faces. What you are doing, what we are doing is pioneering a way for them. And yes, I'm not going to sit by and take a, take a bench seat. I'm going to be in there with them. But how many understand the, the, the necessary action and intentional action on our part it takes to put them on our shoulders? Because the generation before me, my father and my mother, and the generation before them took us so far. And now I'm doing my best and pastor's doing our best to take us to the next leg. But here's what's coming prophetically. There is a billion soul harvest coming to this planet. It is coming, in my humble opinion, through Gen Z and Gen Alpha. It's coming through them. Amen? And how do I know that? Because if I had time to go into the kind of the prophetic and biblical backing for this, we are in the end times. But we have a responsibility to set them up to win. Because how many know in a race, when you're running, when you're running a you know, relay race, if you miss the handoff, what happens? You're disqualified. If you drop the baton, you're, you're out of the race. We can't afford it. We can't afford to miss the handoff with this generation. Some of this was not in my notes, but there you go. Um, but I want to tell you, Pathway has always been called to be a pioneering church. And while I think genuinely every church is called to be that, from our beginnings, it was sewn into our DNA. Uh, you'll be curious to know, if you didn't know this already, that the original working title for Pathway Church was The Tabernacle. Um, you are welcome. Um, you can thank God, actually, because he gave Pastor the scripture from Isaiah 43, 18, and that's where our name comes from. But just listen for the pioneer DNA in this passage, if you will. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something, what? New. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can re be refreshed. Guys, I don't know about you, but dry wastelands and those dry places and all that wilderness language sounds a whole lot to me about what it looks like to be a pioneer. How many know pioneering's hard? It's not like we go to the state parks and they have the nice little paved little things that we just walk on, you know. No, this is bring a hatchet. This is bring a machete. I got to clear a path. And what happens is we clear the path for this generation, and guess what? They get to go further because we made a way for them to get to the next place to then take it and go to the next place. Do you see that? So my call to you today and from that message was it's time to unsettle. Get unsettled. Move forward. We've been settling spiritually, physically, financially, etc. It's go time. It's time to go. Amen? So I don't think it's any secret if we look around at the world around us that we're in a society that wants settlers. Right? That wants, if you look, I mean... It's not hard to find, guys, but in society with our politicians, our leaders, they want us to be sleepy, compliant, blind followers. Just do what they say. We'll give you what you need when we think you need it. 
right? What they don't want are people asking questions. What they don't want are people looking for themselves, thinking for themselves, right? So we have to work counterculture. We have to get out of the mindset of the world. We have to get engaged with the mindset of God, which is to move with him where it looks like there is no way. Maybe there isn't one yet, but we're going to have to do some hacking and some macheting to get to where he's taking us to go. Amen? So one of my most pressing frustrations, and again, just to remind you, I have a 17-year-old that's almost, well, she is a senior. She starts her senior year. Uh, well, she's already really started her senior year, all the things that we've already been doing this summer. And then I have a 20-year-old that'll be 21 this year. So Gen Z is close to my heart because I have two of them in my heart. Um, but let me just tell you, this is a burden of mine that I see in the Big C Church that I've unfortunately been a part of in all transparency at times is not, not understanding the priority and, and connecting with the pain of what this generation goes through. And let me just humbly tell you, you, we can make all the jokes we want to make about walking uphill to school both ways or walking in the snow or you know, whatever, and that they've got it so much easier than us. But can I just be super clear with you? They do not have it easier than us. They do not. So I want you to get that out of your head. It's easy to say, but it just ain't real. My kids come home, have over the years, especially their high school years, come home to Elaine and I so many times with stuff that I'm like, what? You had to face what? The things that they have to deal with moment by moment in a given day, it's not the same. All right? We have to be aware of that. That is why it's so critical that we embrace them. It's so critical that we come alongside them. It's so critical that we put them on our shoulders and carry them if necessary. Because we have a, we have a, a generation of people, especially in the church, talking about us Christians, that don't value them. And we wonder when we don't give them a place or when we make a snide joke about them or whatever, why do they run? Why are they leaving? Why are they being accepted out there? Because they'll welcome them. They'll give them a place. That has to be us. That has to be us. Whew. Um, if I was one of those shouting preachers, I might start shouting right now, but I'm not. Elena told me I could, so. But they're being assaulted. How? In their self-worth, their identity, in depression, their body image, sexuality, their influences, friends, culture, media, their purpose in life calling, the, the demon of comparison, uh, discontentment, uninvolved or disinterested parents. At one time, Jada told me at least half, if not more, of the students that show up on Wednesday night show up that don't have parents that bring them, that don't attend church on a weekend, or worse, abusive parents. But they allow... And this society, our, you know, some of our parents, et cetera, they're, they're allowing culture to raise the kids. They're allowing screens to raise the kids, right? They're, they're allowing, you know, believe me, Pastor Jacob and I talk and pray about this all the time. It's so frustrating as a youth pastor because I've been there in a different era. But how often you get people, you know, wanting you to fix their kid in an hour a week when all they would have to do at home is just make some place in there for their kid to be ministered to or prayed for or valued. It's not hard. 
they do a phenomenal job, but they, it's one hour a week, <laughs> right? I want you to look at this graphic with me. This is a Barna survey. This kind of paints part of the problem, the picture for us. So just to set up the context for this, so when it refers to teens, it's saying 13 to 17-year-olds. When it's talking about young adults, it's talking about 18 to 22-year-olds. All these are Gen Z, that whole age group. Um, so what I want you to zero in is, is this number here. Committed Christian teens, that means they have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they are active in some way in their local church. Nominal Christian teens means that they say that they're saved, but there's been no profession of faith. They may go to Christmas. They may go to Easter. They may pray. You know, they may, Grandma went to church, so by osmosis, they're a Christian. It's that kind of picture. And then these are you know, non-believers, essentially. So take a look at this and see if it registered the same concern that did for me. U.S. teens, committed Christian teens, 32%. Talking about their commitment to Jesus, they're 32%. What happens when they turn 18? We lose half of them. We lost half of them. From here to here, what happened? I would argue, present to you, we failed. We failed. Can we own that together? We did not do a good job. We did not disciple our kids in our homes. We stopped taking them to church. And, and gently and lovingly, can I just tell you guys, because this is a burden of mine too, I, I love sports as much as the next guy. But we have a generation of parents trying to get their kid to be the next MLB All-Star or NBA All-Star. And can I tell you, the percentages are not in your favor. What are they going to remember? I've already seen one of my friend circles, and I won't name names because that would be rude. But I've seen one of the friends in my friend circles that has had a kid go through that entire experience, year-round ball, crash out at the top because they weren't good enough to make it beyond high school, and that was the, the kid's entire universe. And when that went down the tank, it was a spiral. Bad life choices, drugs, alcohol, Identity searching, because the only identity comes from where? From him. But if we're not talking about it, if we're not getting them there, if we're not ministering that to them, loving them into the kingdom, if we're presenting this picture that we've been, you know, we've been showing, we see the results. We lose them. I don't know about you guys. I'm tired of losing. Amen? When you look at... Gen Z specifically, this would be, they're 32% of the global population right now. They're the largest segment. They're the largest generation as of now. They are 11 to 28 years old. So some of the youngest are still working their way out of Pathway Kids back here. The rest of them are sitting right there. And maybe other places in the room if I didn't, if you're not sitting up here with the, with the students section. But what you hear, what I've heard from my kids, what we have heard so often is how they are, they don't feel seen. They don't feel valued. Well, whose fault is that? Yes, parents, but the church. It's got to be all of us. And that's my, my call to action today is to do, do what I have done. Look in the mirror and go, I have failed. Because you know what's easy? Blaming them. What's easy is like, well, they're a lost cause. They've heard that too. It's one of the things I've heard my kids share with me that they've heard before. They're a lost cause or 
There's nothing we can do, right? That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because there's a whole lot we can do. We just have to choose to do it. This is a generation that 42% have been diagnosed with some, some form of mental health condition. Anxiety. My two kids have struggled with anxiety. De- depression and suicide being a major issue for them. 56% increase in Gen Z suicide over about the last 10 years. What's wrong? We, we're, not, we're not there for them. We're letting society raise them. And the message isn't good. We're losing $1.2 million at any given month, or 1.2 million kids at any moment to child trafficking. It's real. It's a real issue, y'all. The media doesn't like to cover it too much. But it's real. It's all around us. The LGBTQ agenda, and I'm talking more about the religion. I'm not talking about homosexuals. I'm talking about the religion of pride. It's claiming our kids. It's going after them. Why is it happening? I would, I would argue that we have a responsibility that we have to take. My appeal to you today, Pathway, is to join with us I'm, I represent our leadership. I can tell you we don't feel like we got it right. We have had to repent. But here's what, we're, what, here's what you're going to see is, and what, what has to happen. I'm going to make a place for them because what happens when I do? They fill it. If I keep them off the platform or I keep them out of leadership positions or I keep them in the corner, where are they going to be? Lucky, if I'm lucky, they'll be in the corner. But ultimately, they'll be gone. We've seen that in the, in the numbers. What we have to do is be okay with the messy. Giving them a place might mean that occasionally something doesn't come out just right. Right? And that's got to be okay. Right? Thankfully, my parents gave me opportunities to mess up a lot when I was younger. <laughs> I remember, you know, getting my heart captured for worship in their home because they had a gospel music group called the Straight Family Singers. And, uh, yeah, it was written on the bass drum and everything. Like, we had the whole deal. But I, for, for years I watched my cousin, Brian, play drums. And I listened to mom and dad worship, and we'd travel all over the greater East Texas, western Louisiana area, you know, southern Oklahoma maybe, um, and take our show on the road. We had an eight-track guys like yeah we were a big deal um but my heart was captured for worship when I was a little kid because I I was around it because my parents let me hang out with them when they were doing rehearsals not that they had much of a choice because Marty and I were all over the place but um when my cousin moved to Colorado when he was when I was about 10 or 11 I forget somewhere in there I got drafted it was my moment I got to play drums and they let me, and it wasn't perfect. But what I'm telling you that we have to do is something very similar. I've talked to, to Kate about this and Josh. We've talked about putting workshops together for Pathway Kids to come up on a weekend and take the microphone and explore worship, to get my drum cage and beat the tar out of those things and hopefully get the little hook that I got when I was you know six, seven years old. What does that take? It's going to be inconvenient. 
It's going to take time. It's going to be messy. They're probably going to break a microphone. I'll have to buy it. <laughs> it's okay. Why? Because we have to make a place. That's my, my whole point. We have to make a place for them. For, for Jesus, do you think children were important? All right. So Matthew chapter 19 kind of illustrates this. You've all heard it, but just want to highlight it for us. Chapter 19, verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Got to love those guys. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these little children. And he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. Jesus had a high value for kids. So much so that he shut down everything that was going on. He interrupted the disciples. They probably got a little more from him after that. I'm just reading between the lines, but there was probably some follow-up, I would imagine, in the tent that night. <laughs> because Jesus was making a point to them, but to us, that these are the ones. It is, it is, the kingdom is not just for the adults. The kingdom is for all of us, but it takes all of us. Because Jesus deposits part of his plan and part of his design in every generation. And the only way we can get there is by working together. Matter of fact, when Jadab and I were praying yesterday about today, we were praying about the bridge on the property, and it was like the Holy Spirit hit both of us with this picture of the bridge for the generations. Like that bridge is symbolic of what's happening right now. Why is the timing of that so interesting to me? Because Jesus is making a point with us, like if we'll get the bridge right, it will work. All my promises will happen. All the things that I've given you to do, you'll see come to pass. You'll see these kids, what, the testimonies we've already heard, and some of the ones that you'll hear in a little bit, and some of the ones we haven't had, won't have time to share because we've got you know, kids all over the place. The testimonies of, of healing, of destiny, of purpose. That's what God's doing. And what I'm not talking about is a camp high. That's not what this is. Matter of fact, Skylar was preaching that a little bit earlier. Like, this ain't, this ain't, she said, y'all don't, this ain't going away. I think it's the, <laughs> what she said. <laughs> this ain't going away. This is here to stay. And we need them, guys. One of the things we prayed for in prayer on, on Mondays and Saturdays for, for years now is that God would start the move of God through our young people. It's critical. What I'm bringing you today is how critical that is. Here's what I'll tell you. If we don't include them, that ain't happening. I feel bold enough to say that to you. If we do not make a way for them, we ain't going out there. And again, it ain't about a building. It's about we are pioneering a place of ministry for all that God wants to accomplish through all of us. But if we, if we alienate one part of it, it ain't going to happen. Amen? Anybody with me? Okay. Jesus also said in Luke 17 to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. That's Jesus' words. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a stumbling block for, for these. I don't want their blood on my hands. 
because Jesus seemed pretty passionate about the outcome. Like, I don't want a millstone tied around my neck and tossed into a body of water, right? And that's, a, that's a, uh, an intense picture, but I think it represents the heart of the Father. How critical, because when you, can you bring, break down the, 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 the these little ones part of that, that text, what it speaks to is ones who are vulnerable or innocent. They are vulnerable. Why? Because they're still learning. They're still figuring out a lot of things about who they are, who God is. One of the most impactful conversations that I had with both of my kids, one of them with Kara, I'm not sure if she'll get to share in this service or not, was her revelation of, of, of understanding the necessity for her to learn how to relate to God, for her wanting her own personal relationship with him, not mom and dad's God, her God. These, this generation is finding that out. They're figuring it out. How many of you went through that too? I did. I didn't handle it well, y'all. Like, <laughs> all transparency. Some of these are handling it way better than I did. But it's the process of, of, of wrestling with and ultimately accepting your purpose, destiny, calling, all that God's put in you from the foundations of the world. Amen? So it's a spiritual battle we have to be willing to fight. So bring that to what started this whole message. Okay. A story. Y'all like stories? No? Nobody likes stories up in here? Okay. <laughs> All right. So let me connect the dots for you. Think, keeping in mind the pioneer message from a year ago and kind of what that means to us. I was on, I was, that week of June the 1st, I was contemplating um, I was praying for a number of things, but one of the, I was praying for the church and our future, and I was praying for the staff, and I felt like we were also dealing with some, some things within elder conversations about how to proceed and kind of all the, the moving the shell game, it seems like, that we've had to navigate with, with all the, the hurdles that we had to face. And so I felt like God spoke to me and said, the answer is on the land. And so I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go. Um, pastor was out there with me one day on this particular day on June 1st. Um, he couldn't make it. I think he and Jana were moving that day, but Mike, one of our elders went with me. And so we just prayer walked. We just went around the building, just praying and prophesying. And at one point, uh, he brought up Ezekiel 37, Mike did. And we, you know, if you've, if you've seen it lately, it's like a skeleton because it's got all the red iron up and it looks like a skeleton. And we, we prophesied Ezekiel 37 over it. This is the, the valley of dry bones. Because God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, well, only you know God, you know. Uh, but I felt like God was asking us the question, can these bones live? And we were like, yes, they can live. And these, these bones will see life, salvations, baptisms, restored families, healings, prodigals come home, and the fire of God to fall through the generations. That's what we were prophesying that day. And as we were praying there was a moment where he and I come back together in the spine, if you're familiar with how the building's laid out, kind of the middle or the big hall. And we're praying there, and all of a sudden this breeze kind of blows through. And if you know me, I've shared this before. I'm not typically one to cry very easily. Um, but in this moment, I was just overwhelmed by the presence of God, and I started crying. And Mike's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah. Um, but I said, I felt this wave of gratitude. I felt this wave of thankfulness. And what I came to was like, I said, something just happened supernaturally. 
Like, I don't, there's a breakthrough. Like, nothing happened physically yet, but I just knew that there had been breakthrough. And I, and I, I left this out of the first service, so they'll have to catch one of these next two to, to fill in the blanks. But, but just to connect you with the prophetic picture of that and, the, and how the divine orchestration of it, the following week, we had a call from a family that had a check they wanted to bring uh, to give towards the building. And it's a family we've known for a long time, been a part of our church. Um, they came in, and they gave us this, this check, and in conversation, and it turned out to be a significant check. They'd sold something, and for them, it was a huge deal. Uh, I mean, it would have been a big deal anyway, but it was, it was a significant check, I'll just say that. And as they were sharing about the process it took them to get to that moment, it was like a year and a half. And the timing of it, from the, the, the day that I was at the property out there praying, we, we, we narrowed it down to a 24-hour window. And it could have been the same morning. We weren't ruling that out. But to be, to be not evangelistic, to be honest, it was within a 24-hour window of the morning that I felt that breakthrough that that check came into being. And it's not enough to pay for the building, but it was a sign. Because what that allowed us to do is put another big chunk down on the roads and parking, what's that part of it, that part of the project that's coming. And I'm just saying this, guys, to connect you with the reality of what God is speaking and doing right now. I mentioned the bridge. I think it's no accident that bridge is being constructed right now. I think prophetically speaking, again, this picture for us that we must choose to embrace and to pick up and to walk in is we got to figure out how to get about what God is doing. One of the prayers that you'll hear us pray as a staff team, especially lately, is we want pathway to be exactly the pathway that God wants it to be. What does that look like? Whatever he says. We don't care. If we got to change everything, we'll change everything. You've seen us this year knock events off the calendar and do a lot of things. Why is that? Because pioneers have to pack light. Pioneers have to pack light because they need to be able to swivel. They need to be able to change direction. And so that's, that's a part of our obedience to that word. That's something I want to challenge all of you with too. Take that to heart. Amen. You guys still with me? Yeah. All right, I'm starting to lose my voice. So just, <laughs> we're almost there, I promise. <clears throat> you okay? You guys know I love you, that I'm for you, that we're all in this together, right? Okay. Just want to make sure. It's like John Maxwell says, yeah, I'm Mark. I'm your friend. I'm here to help. So when I came back to my office that morning and I was praying over that scripture, uh, the one that I led off with, Psalm 127, I was, I was praying about the portion of it that kind of connected to unless the Lord builds a house, the workers of the builder, you know, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. I'm praying through that, and I get to the part where it says, the children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. When I got to that part, all honestly, I skipped that part because it didn't seem like it fit. And so I'm praying over God's provision. I'm praying. I'm prophesying, etc. And God's like, that's the most important part. And I was like, what? So I read it again. And then it clicked for me. And then God gave me a vision, a picture of it. What he's saying is, 
what I was kind of in part saying a moment ago, we're not going there without them. So if we try, we ain't going to make it. The picture he showed me when, I, when it connected to that verse, children born to a young man like arrows in a warrior's hands. That's why I called this message the mightiest weapons. I saw them lined up around the perimeter of that church with their weapons, ready to fight. That's the picture I saw. I saw my kids there. I saw many of these faces that, that day in my office lining the outside of that building. And I just need you as best you can to pick up the mantle that I'm offering you today. Pick it up. Because we have a responsibility, not just for our families, although that's important, not just for this generation, though that's important, but to the kingdom of God to carry out the assignment he's called each of us to carry. Just our part, right? But guess what? He wants to do it through all of us. And God is real particular about how he wants things done. We, we got to do it. So we, we have to look in the mirror, take inventory. How many know that's not fun sometimes? Anybody ever gone through a season of growth? Is it fun? Whether it's getting you know, physically fit or spiritually fit or whatever, you make the application. What does it involve? Pain. I, wrote, I read a book recently called Leadership Pain. That was on the money. There's a lot of stories about pain in, in church leadership. And, but the, the product of pain is the point. It's growth. Because God wants us to grow. We can't stay settled. We have to pioneer and go. The last thing I want to share before we have our students come up was actually, I didn't tell him I was going to share this, but Dennis uh, Springer, one of our prayer warriors, he and his wife, Terry, he shared a vision from um, two or three months ago with this. And at the time, he wasn't exactly sure how it fit, but this is where it fits. <laughs> he said, Dennis had a vision a, a couple of months ago of an angel flying above and around the new church like a tornado or a whirlwind faster and faster and faster, ultimately coming to the ground, and the angel sat down a baton, kind of like a track and field sprinter would hand off. Like a portal was opened up, and now it's our turn to do something with it. And this is, he, he wasn't sure exactly, and we weren't at the time either, how this was going, how this connected, but prophetically it connects to where we are. The Spirit of God has brought down a baton to us. But here's what he said to all of us. I need you to pick it up, and then I need you to hand it off. We have to hand it off well. What does that look like? To be honest with you, I don't have all the answers yet. But here's what I know the starting place is. Repentance. And a willingness to listen to what he's saying. And so what you're going to see from us as a church family, like I was kind of mentioning earlier, some of those little things that we're going to start doing, we're going to start someplace. And then we're going to let God show us the rest. But what I, what I can tell you will happen is as these who have, like this week, have already started experiencing God in a new way, in a real way, in a personal way, they're going to be stepping into their life calling and their life purposes with us, right? Not separate from us on Wednesday nights like with us on weekends, with us in prayer, with us, we are together. No more, no more will there be segmentation within 
our church culture. It wasn't intentional, but now the fix is, right? We're, gonna, we're going to be together. Generations bridged. And that's the picture that I want you to, to take away from today. To kind of highlight it, I asked Pastor Jada to pick some of the students to share their testimonies from this week. So, Jada, if you want to go ahead and come on. I want him to, to kind of introduce that. And I want, here, here's my, my, my charge of all of you today. As these share, I want you to go nuts like it's your kids, okay? Whatever they share, I don't care if they say applesauce is good. Like you're going to, that's the, that's the best news you've ever heard, and you're going to cheer and you're going to scream for them. Are you, are, aren't you, Pathway? Okay. So welcome them, will you, with me? Awesome. Um, man, this week, you know, last week, last year was the first year we got to go to this specific camp, and it was just so good. But God did something even, even more this week that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. But one thing that I know is the more that I hear these students' stories, and my goodness, the rest of these students that are over here, y'all will continue to see them. We're taking testimonies and recordings on Wednesday just because all of the students experience God their own way. But the more I hear about them, the more I realize is that just because they're younger than you doesn't mean that they experience God different than you. And, and a lot of them are going through some of the exact same things that y'all are going through. And the reason why I know that is because it was some of the things that I go through as an adult. And if God can do something and move in the lives of a 16, a 17-year-old, man, how much more are we willing to reach up and grab that same God and that same anointing and that same healing? If they can do it, then we can do it. So I've got a few that I want to share. The first one's going to be this guy right here. I'm going to give it to him. He, he's, he's number one. Hi. This is, uh, this is Peyton right here. Um, you know, we had, a, we had an arm wrestling competition um, because up until this date, I have always been the strongest in our youth ministry. And then this guy decides he's going to get jacked and strong and eat all the protein. I, I got you in two years. He, he, yeah, but, but I still won. Um, so I beat him. So I'm still, as of now, I, I guess I'm going to have to start working out a little bit more, too. But he beat me, and uh, one of the funniest stories, I'll let him tell you, but all I'm going to say is you're going to live, Peyton. Yep. I, so I'm going to start it off with a little funny. So Thursday night, I'm up there worshiping, hands up in the air, waving. The first thing the dude says, the Pastor Manny, he says, wave if you need broken chains, broken addiction, and I'm listening to music. It says about broken addiction, and I'm waving. I'm all into the music, and the next thing he says, I don't hear very well. He says, wave your hand at me if you have suicidal thoughts or you're thinking about stuff like that, and I'm just in, and there's like four people behind me that see me wave my hand. I don't, I, I like life. I love life. I want to live, but they all think that I have suicidal thoughts, and I have like six people from over here come and pray for me. Bailey and Matthew are crying on my shoulder, and there's a few others behind. A random dude I didn't even know came up, hands on my back, speaking in tongues, 
And then Josh Daniels comes up and says, you will live, Peyton. <laughs> so funny. Not in the moment, but that just shows you, even if you don't have those thoughts, how much people love you and how much the Lord loves you. And this week, really what it has been about for me is knowing that the Lord is real and being able to believe in him because I've had struggles with that, with my pride and stubbornness to believe something that is hard to believe because you can't see it. You have to believe it. And on Thursday, on Monday night, he exposed me to that, showing that he was real. And throughout the whole week, we just built that relationship and I'm starting to feel him more in worship, being comfortable with my hands up in prayer. And it's just been a great experience for me. In the first service, he said that he hasn't been to a Sunday morning worship experience in four years. And some reason, this dude's been in all three of them today. Come on. This next one I'm going to give is Savannah. I'll let her share a little bit about what God did. She can't share all of it because it's just a lot. But she's got a little bit she wants to share. Well, I'm nervous. Okay. So back a little bit of backstory. Before I came into YFN or anything, um, I was struggling, like, majority of my life with depression and anxiety and just a lot of generational curses that have been put, like, upon me. And I always, like, knew God was there, like, knew he existed, but I never thought, like, oh, well, he could work in me like he works in everybody else. But when we went to IFN, I was like, I had so much faith for everybody. I was like, oh, he's going to be able to move in all my friends, but I don't know if he can work in me like that. Well, the first night we went in, I got prayed for, and it felt like the Holy Spirit was just there. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe something can change. Well, the nights just kept on getting be better. And the third night, like, I, we were sitting on the balcony on the third night, and I looked down, and I could just see the holy presence, like, moving all across the room and healing everybody. And I was like, that's how God could move? I want that. So that night, I went back, and I prayed, and I was like, God, like, show me that. I want that. I want to be, like, I want to drown in your presence, and I want you to move in me like that. Well, so then the fourth day, like, I had two people come up to me, and they were like, hey, tonight you need to dwell in his presence because God has something bigger for you. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. Well, um, I went down there, and I started, I got prayed over by two people, and I was still like, oh, well, I still don't feel him. Where is he? Like, God, I cannot leave here the same. This is my last night. I need you to work in me. Well, um... So my friend Bethany, she came and laid her hand on me and she started speaking in tongues over me, the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. As soon as she laid her hand on me, I felt the presence of God like go right through me. And I was like, oh, there he is. Uh, like, I found you finally. And um, so I just started pressing more into him, more into him. And I started crying, like probably the most ugly cry I've ever cried before. And... Um, I don't know, like, I just kept on sobbing and sobbing, and when we went back to our chairs, I couldn't bring myself to stand up. Like, I felt like my body was weak and my breath was too heavy, so I was like, okay, well, I need to go lay down somewhere. So I went and laid down somewhere, and it was like this big crowd of people who came and crowded around me, and I was crying so loud, and for some reason in me, it was just like, 
I need to scream, I need to get it out. So I started screaming like at the top of my lungs and as I was doing that, it felt like I could feel everything that the devil had put upon me just leaving my body. And <laughs> so um, they kept on praying over me and they were like, take, like casting away anything that the devil had put on my life since I was five to now. And I was like, oh, wow, like what? And so, um, I don't know, I was just screaming for so long, and then they laid their hand on my head, and they were like, God, now we give her peace and joy, and as they said that, I could feel the Holy Spirit fill my, my entire body with joy and happiness, and I could feel all the depression and anxiety leave. Um, <laughs> as they were praying for me, I saw three visions. One of them was, I had closed my eyes, and I felt like I could see the devil's presence standing over me and I was I got scared so I opened my eyes I was like no 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 no, I'm not letting that happen closed my eyes again and then I could see the presence of God standing over me and it was like a complete flip a complete switch and then I closed my eyes again and I saw this beautiful flower garden and from the other side I could just see God leaning out his hand and smiling and saying I've been waiting for you like I've been waiting for you to tell me that you love me I've been waiting for you to hand me over your things because I want to I want to lead you, and I want to give you this path because I have so much for you. So um, after, like, I got prayed over and everything, I told them, I was like, I'm just ready to dance, guys. So I went out there, and they had told me something before I left. They said, you've gotten so comfortable in looking at yourself through the devil's eyes your entire life that now and forevermore you will continue to look at yourself through God's eyes. So the next time you look at yourself in the mirror, you won't recognize yourself. So, yeah, that's my story. This is Kara. <laughs> hey, guys. My name is Kara. It's my dad. Uh, so while I was at camp, God kind of showed me two different things. So uh, I grew up in church, obviously, and uh, I got baptized when I was really little. And, like, I knew what baptism, like, was, but I didn't really know what, like, it meant and like the meaning behind it. And so I was kind of praying over it. It was the first time I was there and I was kind of praying over it. And I was like, you know, I've, I've done it before, but like part of me kind of wants to do it again, but like something was holding me back. Like I needed my confirmation for it. So I, uh, they were playing a song. I think it was one that they wrote, but it, uh, there were two lyrics, two lines in the song. And it said, take me back to the garden, take me back to the start. And I was like, and I heard God tell me, like, go back to the start. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, there's my confirmation. Like, I, like, I want to start my own genuine, personal, intimate relationship with God. Like, I've always kind of, I always thought I had a relationship with him, but I really didn't. Like, I want to start my own relationship with God that isn't my parents' relationship. You know, so that was kind of the first thing. And then the second thing, uh, it was the last night we were there. And it was worship after service. And um, I was just kind of worshiping. I was kind of like crying or whatever. And then I, I heard something. So I like, I looked up and uh, Pastor Quentin, his wife, uh, Pastor Abby, she was looking at me like dead in the eye. And she was like, like, come here. And I was like, me? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, like you, come here. I want to pray for you. I was like, okay. So then I walk up to her. 
and she asked me what my name was. I was like, my name's Kara. And she was like, okay, Kara, can I pray for you? And I was like, of course. And she was, she just started praying over me. And like one thing I, I walked into camp with was like a lot of fear about like my future and what that, what that looks like for me. And uh, I kind of, I feel like I've been dealing with it for a really long time, like just so much fear about what that's going to look like for me. And so she started, like, I don't know this girl at all. And she starts praying, like, fear out of me. And I was like, okay, wow. And I've never, I've never had someone prophesy over my life before. And she starts prophesying over my life. And she was like, God's telling me you're going to go into ministry. Like, you're going to go into ministry and you're going you're gonna to preach. And then the second thing, I was just sobbing. I was bawling my eyes out. And then the second thing she asked me, she was like, have you ever thought about being a missionary? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I was like, no, I've, I've never even thought about going into ministry before or being a missionary before. And she was like, I could totally see you doing that. Like, I could totally see you being a missionary. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, that's so scary, but okay. Um, and so she and a few other wife and leaders, they, they just prayed over me and prayed over me she was like, I can see you filling up with the Holy Spirit, like, right now, and she was like, his presence is all over you, and I, and it was just, like, the best experience of my life, and, um, yeah, it's kind of my, my story. Yeah, Kayla and I were talking, oh, I guess Thursday night or Friday, and we said, man, Pastor Mark and Elena are going to hate us. Because every time they send their kids with us to camp, they get called into the ministry and they're going away. So, but this last one I have is for Skylar, and and I want to preface it a little bit and want you guys to know even more so that this isn't just an experience that they had, but it's a true pursuit and lifestyle. Hello, I'm Skylar. My voice is gone. I lost it on the first night, so, um. But throughout camp, I was, I was praying for my family. I was praying for our youth ministry. And I was praying, because I had like 10 cousins at camp with me, but I was praying for all of them. At least. At least. Anyways, I was praying over my cousins. I was praying over my family. And I just saw one by one, like the Lord answering those prayers, like people experiencing the Lord, like actually experiencing him. And so then I started praying like, throughout the week about myself and started praying that I would get confirmation that I'm hearing the Lord correctly, that like I can hear the voice of the Lord. And I was just waiting for like a leader to tell me like what I've already heard. Like I was waiting for J-Dub or one of the leaders from camp to be like, yeah, God's saying this to me about you. But like I didn't get it at all. Like (laughs) no one said anything to me. In fact, at the end of the week, when I talked to all the leaders, they were like, we didn't see you. Like, where have you been all week? And I was like, I was right there. Like, I was around you the whole day. But no one saw me, and I was just trying to figure out, like, why did nobody see me? And I just, when we left camp, I was thinking, like, I saw all of my family and all of our youth group getting prophesied over and getting, like, words and prophesying over other people and I was thinking like what did God do in my life like I see what he did in their life but what did he do in my life my brain was so fogged with like needing confirmation from somebody else that I couldn't see like what he did in my life and so when I got home I was um 
I watched a little bit of the worship from YFN uh, on YouTube, and then I like read my Bible and I prayed and I wrote out um, what the Lord did in Pathway Students the past week. And on the next page, I wrote a title, and it was like, "What did God do in my life the past week?" And I was like, "I'm gonna do that tomorrow," because <laughs> I didn't know. And so I was trying to go to sleep, and I was just thinking, like my my mind was racing, like, "Lord, what what have you been speaking to me?" Like, and so I was just thinking, and in the middle of my thought, in the middle of my word that I was thinking, I heard this voice so loud in my head. It was, he said, Skylar. And that voice sent like this massive chill down my entire body. I mean, like I opened my eyes and I was like, uh, what was that? But I was just frozen there. Like I could not move. I was like, no way the Lord just spoke to me. Like I heard his voice. Like anytime I thought about the voice of the Lord, that's not what I thought about. So I know that was him. And I was sitting there just in awe of how amazing, how incredible he is. And I heard him whisper, like I heard him say, you hear me, so trust that my word is good. And that was just incredible. And I was just thinking like, I heard that sitting in my sister's living room. I didn't hear that in the building of YFN or in front of the altar. I didn't hear that when the worship team was singing or when someone was speaking. Like, the same God who was in that building is the same God who's here. And the same God who's in your bedroom. And I woke up the next morning and I thought to myself, and I was like, I can't keep this a secret anymore. Like, I love the Lord. And I'm tired of giving Him 100% in private or in pathway students and giving him 25% on a Sunday. Like, because he's so good. Like, he's so good. So worship him. And that's all I got. Uh, and I shared this in the last one. Um, and he's not going to preach a dissertation on this one. Um, but, uh, my man here on Monday night, um, was teaching all the, the younger guys in his room how to flirt. Um, he was teaching them the facial expressions they needed to make because they just didn't know. And they're like, how do you do it? And he showed them, but then God did something pretty incredible in his life. Okay. So when I, before I went to camp, I kind of felt more, I was, I was really holding on my feelings back on myself kind of bottling him up and thinking I can handle everything on my own. And as he said, kind of wasn't focusing on God. But on Wednesday night, I just I just was praying to God. And then one day, just like in time, I pretty much just like two people came over and prayed for me. And then I saw so many things happen at just like a quick time where like my faith just grew with God and my trust and my belief with him and basically my my door my dorm leader kind of came in kind of prayed for me and as he was praying praying for me he kind of said how I like he wants to like he wants God to show me visions I saw 
three or four actually, one of me at baseball or me at football, like showing the love of God just through me. And then another one was me in the school doing the same thing. Another one was me at home, uh, basically just gluing my family back together closer and closer with God. And then the last one was me standing up here now speaking to y'all and showing y'all how powerful and how loving God is. And whenever I was done praying, I stood up and I, like the Holy Spirit was so strongly within me that I couldn't walk. I seriously couldn't walk. I had to be carried to the dorms and I just laid there for a little bit in the dorm. Think of it, you carrying my weight and being literally shorter than me, like Luke, and skinnier than me and had to carry me all the way from here to that gas station almost. And that just shows you how strong God loves you and how powerful he is to where he can make it where you can't move. And what's crazy is the next morning, I kind of had a whole hangover over it. And Jada, Jada was just like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit hangover. So that's, that's my little story. All right, this next one, this is Jenna. She's going to share a little bit about what God did with her this week. Okay, so um, a little backstory on me. I also just, I lost my voice at camp, so just don't mind that. Um, but a little backstory. I grew up in church. Like, the only thing that would keep us from church would be, like, a life or death situation. Um, um, and... But because I went to church all my life, like, I heard the same stories over and over. And when they didn't apply to my life in that moment, I'm like, okay, this isn't going to apply to my life. So I just, like, shut myself off. And eventually it was the same stories over and over. So I just, like, started getting on my phone during service. Like, I wasn't paying any attention. Um, And that, like, kind of caused me to, like, spiral, especially in this last year of my life with, like, graduation and senior year and everything changing. I needed validation in places that weren't of God. And, like, I found validation in people, friendships, relationships, anywhere that I could get it pretty much. Um, and that caused me to feel, like, so lonely and so, you know, vulnerable with everything changing around me. And one specific um, example that I can give to, like, show that a little bit more and, like, you know, give, like, some specific thoughts that came into my head were a week before camp I was at work and a group of my friends walked by and they waved and they were like, hey and they kept walking and immediately the devil started talking to me and he was like you know not only were you not invited but they didn't want to like they didn't come in and say hi they didn't pay any more attention to you all you're worth is just a wave you're not even worth like the full acknowledgement of a conversation like um and it just spiraled into this whole thing and the one thing that was the, the one thought that was so loud in my head was god doesn't make mistakes but you're the one that fell through the cracks you're the you're the one mistake that he didn't see and that thought has kind of been rattling in my head. Um, so fast forward to camp, the first two days, I was like, you know, I've been to every camp known to man. This is a waste of my time. I've been to so many of these things. Why Why am I here? This is like lame. Like I'm not gonna, nothing's gonna change. Um, Wednesday night, or like all day Wednesday, I felt something in my gut and it was like, something's gonna change. Like this isn't just any normal day for you. Wednesday night, JW told us that we were gonna be sitting in the balcony for that night and um, I was like, okay, it's a little more private. I can worship. I can, you know, I've never been one to put my hands in the air, but, you know, I can do this. I'm, like, in in the dark corner. I can, you know, I'm private. I'm in enough privacy that I can be myself. And I close my eyes, and I start worshiping. And a couple minutes later, I open my eyes, and I'm down closer to the end of the balcony where all of my friends are. 
and this like sense of just freedom came over me and I started like jumping up and down to like the hype songs like surrounded by all my friends and I was like smiling and laughing and I felt like just myself and then he went through service and he uh, said he was like some people in here are thinking to themselves why do I exist I shouldn't exist I'm a mistake thinking all these things and he's like and the devil's obviously talking to me. He's like, you know, like, that's not you. He's not talking to you. He's talking to someone different. You're not worth, sa- you're not worth saving. Um, and all of these things were happening. And I just, like, fell to my knees. And someone came up and prayed over me. And she was saying all these, like, specific things about, you know, what I'm supposed to do with my life, like, my career path. She was like, these future families, these future kids. Like, and I want to go into, like, pediatrics. So she was saying, like, these kids need you. These families need you. They're, like, you know their mental health needs you she's saying all these things and I'm like dog you don't know me how do you know this and it it threw me off but I was like okay like so I felt really like free and but something in my gut still needed to change I remember one of my friends walked up to me afterwards and he was like so what God do I was like I was like he I feel more free but I feel like there's something that needs to change And that night I had a dream that didn't make sense at the time, but the next day it kind of clicked. Um, I was in my dream, I was locked in this room and all I had was my phone and God was kind of calling me out for being on my phone, like throughout services, like growing up, but it's fine. Um, All I had was my phone and he, like I got a phone call and all it said was I have you or I got you or something like that. And then the line went dead and I woke up and I'm like, that's so random. Why would I dream that? And fast forward to that uh, last night, best night, like service. he had said something he was like imagine you get kidnapped your kidnapper sent your parents a ransom note and your parents have to pay that ransom note to get you back god already owned you and satan kidnapped you and like locked you in this room of your sin and god had to send his one and only son pay the ultimate price to buy you back so he he owned you and then he bought you back your twice like or your two times worth whatever value you think you are and so that's when it clicked. I was like, in my dream, like, am I the one that was kidnapped, like, in sin? Like, is that, like, my story? And so in that moment, he did an altar call, and I went down. And as soon as my hands hit the altar, I, like, my legs went numb, and I fell to my knees. And it was it was so powerful. And these, like, five different people came up and put their hands on my head. And as soon as their hands touched my head, like, my hands were like this. And I just, like, fell deeper into the position that I was in, and I was bawling my eyes out. And I'm praying. I'm like, God, I need you. I need you to, like partner with me I need you to like you know do all these things with me I can't do this without you and so like I slowly like felt more free and like eventually like there was one moment where like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and I just stood up and I was happy and I was like okay you know I can worship and I was kind of in the back corner again and I heard a voice and it was like no go up there in the middle of the mosh pit and I said this during the first service that mosh pit in front of the altar was so hot and so sweaty I'm like I don't want to go up there it smells so bad but (laughs) I went up there and I was like, I was just jumping and eventually I was getting sweaty too, but I'm like jumping and I'm like having fun. And so I wasn't really paying any attention. Um, but I was so scared. I was talking to Kayla and I was like, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to go home and I don't want to lose this. Cause every time I go to camp, I come back and it's just like nothing changed. Um, but this time after I took a nap from camp, as soon as I woke up, I was hungry for more. So immediately I opened up the Bible app and I started two devotional things that I'm going to go through and keep that fire going so got one more for you today and this one's not necessarily a student but he is a part of this generation and he is a a leader um and you just gotta 
the craziest thing, but I'll let him stay here. Whew. All right. <laughs> well, I can definitely say, um, well, I'm going to start back with one of the, I believe it was the third leadership session that we were having in the morning. Um, this la- this lady, she's a mental health specialist, uh, what, nurse practitioner and a pastor, but she was having an altar call after preaching a fire word. <laughs> and, um, and she was like, I highly encourage any of you, if you're feeling this way, this way, this way, you know, encourage you to come down. I was like, nah, I'm not going to this time. I might, I might maybe at some point. And then she, then she waited like 15 seconds and she was like, uh, this last call, I highly encourage you to come down. And I was like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. I, I kind of felt that tug on my heart that I should. And so I didn't even get, to, I didn't even get to the bottom of the steps. And she was like, Hey, 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 you young man. I was like, Oh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> and she made my, she made her way over to me as I was on my knees and I've never seen eyes so intense before, but she was like, God loves you and knows you by name. And I want to say that that's a word that everybody can receive. That's a word that everybody can see, can receive, is God knows you and loves you by name. And then she continued to say that, um, she was like, you need to say no to sin and yes to what God's calling you to do in your life. And I was telling Kayla and Tato this morning, I was like, eh, I might have been running. Kayla's like, might have. I was like, <laughs> Because I, was, I wanted it to be so many different things, like a sports commentator or this. But deep down, I knew what I was called to do, and that was to be a pastor. And I was like, and so she, so she, she needed to say, just like I love, my, I say yes to my husband. You need to say yes to God and what he's calling you to do. And so I'm like, after that, I was like, whew, okay. Um, so I finally accepted my calling, and I was like, God, I, need a, I, need, I just need some sort of confirmation. I need I just need, after the billions and billions of times people have spoken over that, I was like, more of like, what's my next step? What are you wanting me to do? And so Hold they're on, actually let me, having... Let me buddy in. Let me okay. buddy in. So, so last year, the same thing happened. Like, and then all year he spent running, uh, running. And uh, the, when the lady said, stop saying no she said, stop saying or stop worrying about saying no to sin and worry about saying yes to him. Because when we do that, the sin automatically falls. But then on Monday, Tuesday, we, we get to go to lunch and, and he says, I, I've, I've got to come here. I was like, yeah, I got, got told you to last year. It's like, I remember having the same conversation. And he said, yeah, I, I'm supposed to come here. I said, okay, let's see what happens. And then the confirmation. Yeah. So they, they, have a, uh, they have a scholarship drawing at the end of each week. And I, I was, well, I was specifically praying, God, I need a sign, not necessarily to seek validation if I won the scholarship or not. Like, I didn't want to be let down. So my, I was like, God, I need, a, I need a sign, whether it's a word, a vision, something from somebody. Lo and behold, that night, as, as Pastor Quentin was reaching into that bag, my heart jumped. And then it's Jackson Stray. I was like, ah! I was, like, I, was, I was freaking out. But it was, but it was something that it was like only, like, I, I heard, how many people entered? Like over, like a, there, there, was, there was almost a thousand names in the bag. And so, well, I think that, if that ain't confirmation, I don't know what it is. But, the, but one of the biggest things that I learned throughout the entire week, I was kind of in a similar situation as Skylar, where it was just like, you know, I was kind of battling some things, and I was kind of battling just, you know, I wasn't feeling God necessarily. Like all week, I was seeing people get delivered, these students getting set on fire, and I was so happy for them. But I was like, 
what's going on? And I had this on the last day that night. I was telling Jada, we were in our dorm, and I was like, I just, it just kind of hit me. I feel like God spoke. It's like, God is not a feeling that I'm chasing, but a person that I'm pursuing. And so, whoo. So he, he humbled me real fast in the same day. <laughs> and so, but uh, I just want to give thanks to my dad and just the church in general for giving us this platform to share our testimony. So give it up for the church. <laughs> but what I've seen God, what I've seen God do in these, in this past week is incredible. And you guys are going to be so amazed and surprised to the fire that's around these kids and how special this group of kids are. So, yep. Yeah. He said he screamed. Elaine and I were watching the live stream at home when they pulled his name out of that bag. We were like, what? <laughs> um, and we joked. I mean, Elena leaned over to me right before the drawing. She said, well, I guess if they pull his name out of that bag, then we'll have a confirmation. And then it was Jackson Strait. <laughs> but we obviously, <clears throat> when as, as Jada and Kayla were sharing some of these stories, even during the week, about what all God was doing in the lives of all of our kids. Um, it wasn't normal. Like, you have stuff happen at camp sometimes. I, I went to camp growing up. But just to kind of echo what, what Skylar was saying, get used to different. Um, this isn't going away. And we've believed for a long time, if you've been to Monday night prayer or when we had Saturday prayer, one of the prayers we prayed so, so many times is for the fire of God to fall on this generation and, 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 and on us and to lead the move of God together. And so I want to end our time by, I want to pray over, I did this in the first service, but I want to do it again. So students, if all of you will just come right up here, all y'all, we're going to do two things. I'm going to pray and kind of prophesy these scriptures over them. And then I'm going to, as we close today, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come forward and have these students pray for you. Why would I do that? Because they have been under the anointing this week. We have heard testimonies about ACLs being repaired, about uh, demons being cast out, people that were oppressed being healed in their minds. Um, along with all this, the stories you just heard. And so I'm a firm believer of, of, of transference of anointing. And so these, these guys have been walking in it. So if you need prayer for anything as, I, as we close, I want you to come forward. But I wanted to prophesy this, these two scriptures over all of you. As I was praying, I felt like God brought me to two places. One, I mentioned Ezekiel earlier in the Valley of Dry Bones. But chapter 37, verse 12, this is what God says. And I want this to be a word for you, for your generation, and for your future. Just kind of open your hands up just to receive, if you would, guys. I want you to receive from this. It says, therefore prophesy, tell them, God, the master says, I'll dig up your graves and bring you out alive. Oh, my children, my people, then I'll take you straight to the land of Israel. When I dig up graves and bring you out as my people, you will realize that I am God. I'll breathe my life into you and you will live. Then I'll lead you straight back to your land and you'll realize and forever know that I am God. I've said it and I'll do it.
God's decree. Amen. And the second one was from Jeremiah. And if you know anything about Jeremiah the prophet, he was called to be a prophet in his late teens, early 20s, in your generation. And this was a conversation he was having with God that I want you guys to hear God's response to Jeremiah in this as a prayer and a prophecy over you. Jeremiah said, hold it, Master God, look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy or only a youth. But God told me, don't say I'm only a youth. I'll tell you where to go, and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say, and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. I will be right there looking after you. And so, Holy Spirit, we claim those words over all of these students over this generation. Lord, that you have only good things for them, that you are with them, you are for them. I prophesy life over them. I prophesy blessing, Lord, purpose, destiny, and calling to be fully realized for them to step into everything that you've called them to do and to be the world-changing generation that you set up before the foundations of this earth. We pray it done in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. Can you give Jesus a praise this morning? So here's how we're going to close up. There was a scripture. I didn't share this in the first service, but this is becoming my life verse, and so I'm going to share it with you. Um, Psalm 71, 18. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God, but let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. That's what we want to see. These are the mightiest weapons. They're setting up in their places. We are going to support them. We are going to guide them. We are going to love them and ultimately hand the baton off to them to see God move and change this world that we're living in. Do you guys believe that? I believe in all of you. Just so you know, and you have a a body, a church body here that believes in all of you too, right? So as we close, you guys can stand. I just want, first of all, to thank you for letting us kind of do a little unscripted today. Um, But I felt like God was glorified and you guys were blessed. Amen. Um, I just want to pray over you. And then as I finish praying, if you need prayer for anything, I want to invite you to come down and have our students and our student leaders pray for you. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've spoken to us today. We receive it. Lord, we take responsibility to step into our charge to help pioneer, to make a way for this generation. Lord, to come beside them, with them, to hold them up, to encourage them, to unconditionally love them, to sow generously into their lives. And I thank you that the best is yet to come. It's just ahead of us and within reach. So we just pray you'd seal all this by your mighty power. We pray that your kingdom would truly come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Can you give Jesus one more of your best praises today?
Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.